0: Hello and welcome back to our Devotions on the Psalms. Today we want to ask, think of a very intriguing question. Who is or what is a person who fears the Lord? We've read often in the Bible about the man or the woman who fears the Lord. Sometimes in our conversations we talk about a God-fearing person. But what exactly does it mean to fear the Lord? This psalm also tells us that one who delights in God's commandments, what does it mean then to take pleasure or to delight in God's commandments? Is that someone who loves to study the law and understand intricacies of the law? What does it mean? And so we shall look at Psalm 112. This psalm tells us then about the person who fears the Lord, the person who greatly delights in God's commandments. Psalm 112. Let us pray. Father, speak your truths to us, that indeed we may also be people who fear you, and people who delight in your commandments. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land, the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness, for the upright is gracious and merciful and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved, he will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honour. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So what does it mean that the man who fears the Lord is blessed or greatly delights in his commandments? Let's look first at the fear of the Lord. The common understanding of fear is to be scared, to be afraid, to cower under the dominance of another person. And yet the fear of the Lord is more that of awe. Fear of the Lord is realisation that God is is the Creator, and that God is first of all in charge of everything. Perhaps to echo what John the Apostle says in John chapter 1 when he describes Jesus, this is what he says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. This perhaps is the best illustration of what it means to fear the Lord. It is first of all realising that all things were made through him, and all things were made by God. What this means is that God has created everything, that all the circumstances in our lives, the way we are, the way we look, the way we think, they're all created and made by God. We are what God has made us to be. Now that doesn't mean that we are then perfect or that we can excuse ourselves when we are not perfect. But God is continually molding us if we allow him to. But God is in charge of all that is created. And then it says, without him was not anything made that was made. Everything about us, the whole process of our lives, the very fact that we are alive, all comes from God. What does it mean then in practical terms? It means that in our minds we understand that God is in control of all things. Whether the circumstances are good or favourable to us or circumstances are not favourable, we are still living in the hands of a loving, all-wise, all-powerful God. Fear of God then is just not just awe and distance and saying, I'm awed by you, Lord. But it is a calm, settled assurance that we are cradled in God's arms. And this can only be possible when we believe for ourselves, not a general understanding of God loves everyone, but a settled understanding that I, me personally, am held in God's arms. That my future is created, is guided, is determined by Him. It is a good future. It also says in him was life and the life was the light of men. This realisation that my very life, my very breath, my very thoughts come from God. And so there is a settled, um, relaxed, contentment, rest in God. That we believe that God has it right, that he is light and he is life. What does all of this mean then in the way we look at life? We learn to trust. We believe that everything that comes to us comes from the hand of a loving, powerful, all-wise God. In the times when things are not going right, in the times when we are tempted because other things look better than following God's ways, we continue to trust in God and hold on in our faith. The one who fears God then is not one who cowers under God or one who is terrified of God. Rather, the one who fears God, is the one who settles, who rests in God. It is a peaceful kind of fear, a restful, assured, secure kind of fear. What then then does it mean who delights in God's commandments? Sometimes we think of a person who delights in commandments as a weird person, a very uh, rigid person who obeys the letter of the law. Yet one doesn't really love such things. How many of us, most of us obey the law, we observe the law, but do we love the law? What then does it mean? In the Gospels, Jesus often talks about loving the intent, the heart of the matter, the heart of the law, rather than the letter of the law. He gives many, many examples of that. He talks about you say, it has been said, you shall not murder. And then he says, but anyone who hates his brother has committed murder, and so on, and so on. And so Jesus kept teaching us that the law is not a letter of the law, a, a code, a series of do's and don'ts. But rather the law is about what emanates from God, what comes out from God. See, the law was not just made like mind uh, with a mind to control us. The law is really the law of God is really the expression of what's in God's heart. And therefore, understanding the heart of the law is to know the heart of God. Let's be clear then that the person who loves the law then isn't watching every letter of the law, making sure that he has not contravened anything in the law. But the person who delights in the law is the person who delights in God's heart, in God's intentions, in God's ways. Now when we are clear about this then, we think then of a person who lives not by following the letter of the law, but lives freely because he knows the heart of God and he loves, his heart resonates with that of God's. How does that affect our daily lives? In verse 2, it says, His offspring will be mighty in the land. Generation of the upright will be blessed. One of the things about loving God is that it affects our parenting styles. We live, we act towards our children the way we experience God, the way we know who God is. Remember when my daughter was very young, I made it my aim to be the most loving father, not because I wanted to be the best father or whatever, but simply because I wanted my daughter to know what God was like, that she would grow up knowing that God loves, and not a frivolous or not a a harsh God, but to express to her, to allow her to know a God who loves deeply. How we understand our God, how... We embrace our God. Will affect our parenting styles, will affect the way we care for our children. God gave everything for us, His children. If there are many, if we treat our children as chattels or some bragging rights, or or just neglect them because they're nuisance, then we have not really reflected the nature of God. The person then who reflects the nature of God will obviously have children that will be mighty in the land. They will be secure where they are and the generation will be blessed. Second, verse 3, Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. The person who fears God and who delights in God's ways will of course be very prudent in how they spend their money, how they earn their money. It is righteous, and yet they will be blessed. Third, in verse 4, it says, Light dawns in the darkness of the upright. is gracious, merciful, and righteous. We live in a very dark world. It's almost as though we are engulfed by a fog of selfishness, of uh, wickedness in many of the things, common, common wisdom that is taught to us. We are taught not to be gracious, taught to have it our way, taught to grab things for ourselves. We are taught to be merciless, that when someone has hurt us, we take revenge. When someone has contravened, we exact vengeance against them. We are taught to be harsh, harsh because it is the only way to correct another person. And often we find it necessary to be unrighteous as well. The Chinese say you fight poison with poison. That when we are too gracious, we become too soft and we're taken advantage of. And so we we are, as it were, living in a fog of wickedness, of unrighteousness, of mercilessness. But a person who loves God, who understands the ways of God, will continue to be merciful, continue to be righteous, and will live graciously. Largely also because he knows that this is our Father's world, that he is in charge. And there is no need to fight or to be merciless. And then next in verse 5, it is, Well, the man who deals generously and lends, conducts his affairs of justice, once again, who deals generously. He knows the God who is generous to him, God who offers him everything, God who is always looking after his interests and therefore he is able to look after the interests of others as well. He deals generously and lends to people. He is to be remembered. Verse 6, he will be remembered forever. This is an irony because in the world, we are taught to be wicked, we are taught to be merciless, we find it necessary to survive in this world to be unrighteous. And yet everyone in the world is looking for people who are righteous. We admire people who are righteous, although we say of ourselves it is impossible to live righteously. But the person who beats odds, goes against odds and strives to live mercifully, graciously, righteously, will be remembered because that is what people need and people look for. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Sometimes it's said that when we become Christians, we go through bad times. Why is it that we always suffer when we become Christians? Actually, there is no truth in that. All of us experience the vicissitudes of life, the misery, the pain of life. Becoming a Christian allows us to know that the ups and downs of life really does not destroy us because God is sovereign. God is in charge. And so rather than thinking that the moment I got got converted, life has taken a turn for the worse, I would rather say, Your life was going to take a turn for the worse anyway. Thank God you became a Christian because you have the assurance that God will watch you through the ups and the downs of life. The one who trusts in God knows that even when he is at the valley of his life, goes down a trough, God is still there. God watches him and he will still have life. And So he's not afraid of bad news because he knows that God is in charge. His heart is steady and he will not be afraid. And then in verse 9 again it repeats this, He has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Once again we need to realise that God's heart is very much for the poor. If you read through the Bible cover to cover, One of the things that you realize is that God has a very special place in his heart for the poor. Sure, God is generous to all, but throughout the Bible, God talks about the person who is poor and how he cares for them. I want to mention a paradox, an irony. At the beginning, it says that the person who is Righteous, the person who fears the Lord and delights in God's commandments, will be rich. Verse 3 says, wealth and riches are in his house. Does this not imply that the poor are the unrighteous? Well, maybe it does. Maybe the person who is poor, not all, very often the people who are poor are oppressed by the rich, but there are times when a person is poor because of poor choices that he has made. I served in prison for many years and the way the prisoners lived before they were in prison. They made many, many wrong choices. And yet the Psalmist says that he has distributed freely his given to the poor. What does that mean? You know, sometimes we say that the poor deserve to be poor, they don't deserve to be helped because they squandered their money, they made bad decisions, they did things that they could have lived a decent life, but they they did things that hurt themselves and therefore they deserve to be poor. The psalmist, the psalm here tells us that even if it is true, that the person is poor because of bad choices, when the person is poor because he deserved it, let's just say. The righteous, the God fearing man continues to give to such a person. It talks about the it reflects the mercy of compassion, the forgiveness of God. It's when a person has destroyed his own life, not because others have hurt him, but because he destroyed his own life. Even so, God comes to give to that person generously. And so sometimes we see a person who has squandered his money and we are tempted to say, well, he deserves it. We remember that the person who shares the heart of God would still come to the rescue of such a person. Whenever God sees a person in need, whether he inflicted that pain on himself, whether he deserved such poverty and such need, that God does not regard. What God regards is that the person needs help now and he comes in the aid of that person. I think as we share the heart of God, as we know our God better, we also learn this trait that we, like God, look to the need of a person and go to help. Of course, we could help the person not commit, make those bad choices anymore. But we do not step back and say, well, he deserves it, and therefore let him have it. But rather, we will come to the person and offer our help person who fears God is the one who knows that God is sovereign, so powerful, is in charge of all of our lives. Our very breaths depend on him. Our very wisdom depends on him. And we rest in that thought that we have a wise, loving father. And the one who delights in God's commandments is the one who seeks God's heart and shares thoughts and emotions and the loves that God has. Let us pray. Father, help us to know your heart, but not just to know your heart, but to have our hearts resonate with yours. Help us, Lord, to be people after your own heart, people who delight not in the letter of your law, but people who delight in your thoughts, in your heart that we may share how you feel what you love and what you hate but Father we ask too that you give us that very settled more and more you we have that settled security to know that our lives are gently held in your hands that we can rest in you we ask this in Jesus name Amen Well, Thanks for listening in and have a Blessed week ahead. God bless you. Goodbye.